We have somebody going to share a testimony. So I'm excited to hear that. All right. See, I, I don't even know Ashlyn yet. I'm Rhonda. Hi, you guys. My name's Ashlyn, for those that don't know me. I just want to share with you guys today what the Lord has done for me. Um, I'm 17 years old, and I'm a recovering heroin and cocaine addict. What made me realize I had a problem was when, you know, every day after I got my daily dosage, I would go home and turn the TV on, and a TV show would be on about some celebrity that had overdosed, and their drug of choice was heroin and cocaine. So I kept getting these God drops, like, you know, here God is. Peekaboo, Ashlyn, you have a problem. Let's fix this. Um, I got arrested for a syringe needle and spoon, and even that didn't make me realize, like, oh, my God, I have a problem and I need help. Um, I went to this case meeting that I had with all my DSS caseworkers and everything. None of my family showed up. I stood there alone, and I was I was scared. I was I realized that I didn't have anyone left in my life anymore. Um, I pulled my jacket off and I showed them my arms and my hands and I cried to them and asked them for help. Um, they sent me to the hospital and I went to a treatment facility uh, to detox. There's a 24 hour nurse there. And while I was there, there was this lady that came in that usually never works there. She came in and she sat by my door and we talked. Um, we talked about God and how he does things for us and how everything that he does has such an amazing pers- purpose behind it. And I asked her for a Bible. I don't know why I asked her for a Bible because I always thought, you know, the Bible was just this big book on the shelf that I never wanted to pick up and read. But um, she said, why don't you read Psalms 102 and 116? I think you'll really enjoy that. I'm going to read these to you today because they're really amazing. Psalms 102 says, Lord, hear my prayer, listen to my plea. Don't turn away from me in my time of distress. Bend down to listen. You answer me quickly when I call to you. For my days disappear like smoke. My bones burn like red-hot coals. My heart is sick, withered like grass, and I I have lost my appetite. Because of my groaning, I am reduced to skin and bones. I am like an owl in the desert, like a little owl in a far-off wilderness. I lie awake, lonely as a solitary bird on the roof. I eat ashes for food. My life passes as swiftly as the evening shadows. Then verse 23, he broke my strength in midlife, cutting short my days. But I cried to him, oh, my God, who lives forever, don't take my life while I am so young. And I sat there thinking while I was withdrawing, you know, it was kind of like the flu times 10. I thought I was going to die. And I was withering like a small piece of grass and my bones were burning. And I didn't think that anything could ever heal that. And I... I pretty much lost hope until I read these verses, and I was like, wow, God can help me. And 116 says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Death wrapped its ropes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me. And after I read that, my mouth dropped. I was like, that was for me. He wrote that for me. (laughs) Dear Ashlyn, this is for you. And I was like, yes, thank you. Um, After that, you know, I kind of prayed a little. I never was like a believer until um, December 9th, 2010, I became a believer. 
and accepted Lord as my Savior. Yes. Um, what made me want him as, you know, a piece of my life, I felt like I had this weight on my chest, like the devil was sitting on me. And, you know, after, after I got saved, it's like God came in and pushed him off. I had this weight just lift off of me, and it was amazing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the lady that gave me the Bible that night, she never worked there. She was covering someone's shift. Um, and I wasn't supposed to be in that detox facility. Um, they had an emergency release of a, another client and stuck me right in there. So that was God. He definitely put me there for a reason and gave me that Bible for a reason and put that lady to work that night for a reason. So I just want to thank you, God. And I want to thank this church. This church has done so much for me. Like, wow. It's, it's opened my mind to so many opportunities and, and worship. So thank you so much. What a blessing you are. That's what it's all about. Amen. Well, Byron, you get to follow that. (laughs) You know, I'm just saying, though, the Lord's really, it's a new day here. And we're so thankful. You know, the Lord goes after young women like Ashlyn and young men. And, you know, he went after each one of us. And if you don't know the Lord today, today's the day of salvation. Today's the day, okay? Uh, but Byron's going to come up and just really give us a really a, a on-time word. And he, at first service, he said it was a little bit hard, but, you know, it spoke to my heart, and it didn't just speak to my heart. I believe it, it's going to speak to everybody's heart in here because it's what the Lord's saying. Oh, yes, children, y'all can go to your classes, learn about Jesus and how much he loves you and what he's done for you. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was awesome testimony, wasn't it? Yeah, thank you, Jesus. More, Lord, right? All right, next week is Lizzie Stein's last Sunday here, so we'll be praying for her. She'll be headed down to Hawaii to vacation. <laughs> now, she's going down back to YWAM. She's going to become a leader there. She'll be in training for a few weeks, leading uh, kids, uh, and she'll be actually going on a mission trip Saturday, train them up. After she gets trained, they get trained, they'll be going out, and she'll be leading a group, a team. So we want you to be able to uh, get, get in on the blessing. There's stuff out there that her mother and her ph- photographs that she's done, and she's got an anointing on photo- photographing, photography. You know, there's certain uh, picture. I said this, but you could take, two people can take the same picture and one of them will have something on it. She's got that. You look at it and there's something on that photo. It's the Holy Spirit on it. Uh, so she has a real gift. That's what I'm saying. So buy some of her phot- photography. Uh, her mom has got paintings and stuff out there. Buy that. That's going to be used to help her expenses. If you don't want to buy anything but you want to help, you can give her a donation. And if, but if you don't have no money, 
and you can't buy anything, you have nothing to give, you got a prayer. Amen? So be praying for her over the next few months and that the Lord really use her. Amen? Let's just give Lizzie a big hand for being such a brave girl. Yeah. Thanks for going, Lizzie. Yeah. It's okay. Amen. So that's exciting. Uh, so I want to tell you, I'll try to make, I'm going to go fast real fast, okay? But I want to tell you this. Uh, I had a really awesome week this week. Every morning around 4, between 4 and something, you know, whenever. Whenever the clock says 4 on it, I don't really, can't really figure out the rest of it. The Lord has woken me up. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not the kind of guy who likes being woke up in the middle of the night. That's why when I get up in the morning, I pray in tongues because I'm so bad. You know what I'm saying? My mind is so messed up. But I've been waking up with this worship in my heart and uh, just singing songs to the Lord uh, and worshiping the Lord. And it's been really just a precious time this week, early in the morning. But this morning I had a very special moment. Is I saw the Lord this morning, uh, and He was very wonderful looking. Okay? I, I, in fact, I told him, I said, Lord, you look so good. <laughs> That's crazy to say, but He looked so wonderful. He looked good. I said, you don't... You don't look like you've been to the cross. I mean, you don't look, you know, I've seen and felt the Lord when His marred body. But He looked beautiful. He looked wonderful. He, you know, looked so alive uh, and so full of life and, and so giving and so inclusive. And really, I felt Him coming to me for friendship. Okay? That's the way it felt. Like, He was wanting friendship and... Uh, but, you know, in which I, was, I said, Lord, you want me to sing you a song? I can't sing good. Okay? He said, I love the way you sing. Amen? So if you can't sing, the Lord loves the way you sing. Hey, it doesn't matter what the person next to you th- thinks, but the Lord just told me he loves. So I've been singing these worship songs that we sing here. You know, that's about the best I can do. If I hear them here, I can sing them. But just singing these songs to the Lord. Uh, but one thing that, ha- is, that happened to me... Uh, you know, sometimes when you have these uh, encounters with the Lord, is there's things in your heart get, that gets exposed that you really wish were not in your heart, just to be 100% honest with you. Uh, and that happened to me this morning. I saw some things in me. Uh, really, honestly, I mean, just, just get, get, can you take the truth? Uh, just pride in my heart. And uh, just pride and arrogance and... Um, and it really was uh, just really heartbreaking to me when I saw that about myself. Not that I'm disappointed in myself. I mean, obviously, that's the state of man with, apart from Jesus. But, you know, I just asked the Lord, Lord, I just ask you to give me another chance, Lord. Okay, just give me another chance. Uh, and what I mean by that is I feel like God has things for us. And sometimes you get to going in life and you forget that the Bible says everything comes from the Lord and the Lord upholds everything in your life, we forget the last part is we give it back to Him for His glory. We sort of take glory to ourselves or, or, or whatever, however that works out. And I was just asking the Lord for another chance, you know, and, you know, for the things that I know that the Lord wants to do because... Uh, the worst thing that could ever happen to us is for God to really bless us with all the desires of our heart and dreams of our heart and it destroy us. And I realize that, that could happen to us, that the blessings of God could undo us. Um, so I just had that really wonderful time with the Lord of getting, getting free uh, and, and renouncing those things and, 
You know, the Bible says humble yourself. That's the answer for pride. It's, it's humility. It's in, in agreeing with the Lord. Agreeing that there's pride in there. Agreeing there's arrogance in there. There's thoughts in there that shouldn't be there. Thoughts about people and, and criticizing people for the very things you do yourself. And having that kind of attitude is not really pleasing to the Lord. But yet the Lord was not in all being, He was just being loving to me. But it was bringing all that stuff out on me. But then something else happened. That's the, the kind of a difficult part. Something else happened. <laughs> this, uh, I guess, I don't know if this is a dream. I can't tell. Forget I'm trying to explain it. But the next thing I know, I was at North Lake Mall. Does anybody go to North Lake Mall? It's the last place in the world where really most guys want to go. I mean, it's not one of my favorite places. But I will go there for certain things. But uh, it's not my hangout. You know what I mean? It's like, let's go to the mall. Like, uh, I don't think I want to go to the mall. <laughs> Women like to go to the mall. That's what malls are for, is women. But I was, I was at the mall, and I was out there in a car driving. Well, I guess I was in a car. I was out there, and I saw this cow walking up the road. I thought, what in the heck is that cow doing, man, out here at the mall? And it was a really very good-looking cow. <laughs> I mean, most cows, you know, cows are sort of ugly to me, you know. But this was a really nice-looking cow. It had a, a black face and a... It was sort of brown. It had black on its legs down here, and it was a, it was a grown cow, but it wasn't fully grown. You could tell it was coming into adulthood. It was, and uh, you know, I was a little bit concerned about the cow being there until I remembered something. I remember what cat. Remember Kathy Walter's word about the cow. Anybody remember that? And cows are provisions from the Lord. That's what they are. Yeah. You know, in the natural, cows give milk. Milk cows give milk, and then the other kind of cows give steaks. You know, for some people it's meat, for some people it's steaks. <laughs> but I love, you know, steaks. Uh, but I believe the Lord was saying, you know, this is how we come into these these cows. Anybody need a cow? Anybody not need a cow? I, I want to know who don't need one. We need some cows released to us. They're provisions from heaven. That's what they are. That's what they represent. They're a supply from God. But I believe the Lord is... is you know, the worship is so important right now. Just giving, your, giving the Lord the fruit of your lips, the sacrifice of the praise, the fruit of your lips is what it says in Hebrews 13, meaning that something needs to come out of your mouth. You can't just sit there and be a worshiper forever with nothing coming out of your mouth. That's not biblical. Serious, it's in the Bible. Hebrews 13, isn't it? It's right there. It's in the New Testament. Uh, I think that's important. And I do think it's also the humility is really important right now. And I believe as we humble ourselves to the Lord and acknowledge the things that are in us, when He reveals them, I'm not saying going on soul search, but when He reveals them, acknowledging those things to Him, okay? And then I believe that opens a door for what God really wants to do for people, is to bring a provision in their life that they did not have. Amen? So let's just take a moment. I want to just, let's just renounce right now. Father, we want to renounce pride. In our life, we want to humble ourselves this morning to you. Every good thing that we have came from you. Lord, every good thing. There's nothing that we have 
that's not from you. you are the, you're the God of all grace. You're the God of love. Lord, you have released blessings upon us. You've heaped favor upon us, Lord. Yet we didn't deserve it, Lord. You gave it to us because you're out of the goodness and the kindness of your heart. You want friends. You're reaching out to us, Lord. You're bringing us into a new day. Lord, you brought us through a time of death. You brought us through a time where, where, where your marred body was the thing that you was revealing to us. Where the cross, we were, we were being brought down, Lord. We were being humbled, Lord. And we are at a time now when you're bringing us into a day of life. You're bringing us into a day of joy. You're bringing us into a day of friendship with heaven. That's what you're doing now, Lord. Yet here we are. We stand before you, Lord, and asking you that we would enter into that time clean. We'd enter into that time, Lord, not with the dangers of arrogance, with the dangers of pride, Lord. With those things put aside, Lord, those things laid down. We ask you to do that today in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, just release that. We want to know you in this day. We want to know the revelation of Jesus Christ as you are right now, how you're revealing yourself today, how you want us to see you today, how you want us to relate to you today. Lord, that's what we're asking for. Lord, you're just so wonderful. We worship you. Lord, we don't, we're not going to be, we're not going to be arrogant fools. We're not going to sit there and seal our mouths against you. We're going to declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We're going to say our God is great. We're going to worship you. We're going to get on our knees before you and say, Lord, you look good. You're beautiful, Lord. We can't sing good. We can't talk good, but we're going to sing and talk to you. And you're going to love it, Lord. And you're going to put life on us, Lord. Lord, I pray you do that for everybody in this room. Everybody, everybody, everybody. I pray everybody, the fruit of everybody's lips, they would sing praises to the Lord. They would sing, worship the Lord. Oh, God, do it in us, Lord. We'd wake up in the middle of the night, not in a bad mood, not in a grumpy mood, but we'd wake up worshiping you. We'd wake up counting our blessings. We'd think about what you've done for us, what you've given to us, how you saved us, Lord. Lord, we think about testimonies like we heard, how you loved us, Lord, how you, how you delivered us from cocaine and heroin. How you took a young life and thought about that life and said, I got that life. I got to have that baby. I want her. I'm going to get her out of that lifestyle. I'm going to tell her. I'm going to show her that book that she thought was just an old book. Oh, Lord, thank you for that. Oh, we just worship you, Lord. We give you the glory and honor due Jesus Christ. Lord, we're declaring today you're beautiful. You know, it's a day of beauty for ashes. That's what it is. It's a day of beauty for ashes. We're coming into a different time. I didn't think about this, but I know I had a bad day one time, a real bad day. We all had a bad day one day. And the Lord came to me in his scarred, marred self. That's how he revealed himself to me in that bad moment. It was not the beautiful Jesus. It was the scarred Jesus. It was the beaten Jesus. It was the Jesus that had suffered. And he wanted, to, he wanted me to feel his scars. He wanted me to feel pain. He wanted to, he wanted to reveal himself like that. That's a hard day. It's a good day, though, because when we begin to see that, then the Lord's going to bring us into a day like I had when I saw Jesus. I'll tell you, He looked wonderful. I saw like I said, man, Jesus, you look so good. I didn't know you looked that good. I've never told a man like that, like a man. You know, you, I wouldn't say that to a man. I would say it to a woman, uh, my wife mainly. My, <laughs> my grandbabies maybe, you know. But, but I, that ain't the way you talk to a man. You don't tell a man how beautiful they are, how lovely they are. But he was so lovely and beautiful. He was lovely beyond measure. He looked so good. I, I just can't tell you how he looked. He looked wonderful. He just had this beauty on him that was incredible. And I believe the Lord wants to reveal himself in this hour like that. It's going to be a time of beauty for ashes for us.
I'm just here saying, beauty for ashes. It's a time of redemption. It's a time where God's going to turn the tables. He's going to change things for people. He's going to, what was a defeat is going to turn into a victory. You know, we sang that this morning. You know, Lord, you beat death with death. You, got, you know, the death that we've suffered, the pain, the sorrow, the loss, the disappointments, God's going to turn it, and He's going to bring life out of it. This is a new day, a new revelation of Jesus. It doesn't mean Jesus doesn't still have the scars. He does, but now He's revealing Himself in a fresh and different way, and we will never find the end of Jesus. We'll never quit seeing what He looks like. Amen? That was a good morning. I pray that I would continue to wake up praising the Lord. Uh, I like speaking in tongues, but I do it because I have to, because I don't wake up praising the Lord. I want to wake up slapping people. and <laughs> So I have to pray in tongues to contain my carnal mind. All right, I got a little bit of time. Fast. All right. Are y'all, can y'all deal with this? Like it to us. Let's read Ephesians 1.19. What we're talking about this morning is the power of God, okay? And the reason I want to talk to you about the power is because Paul prayed that we would know the power. Okay? He prayed that. I'm going to read that real quick. He prayed that we'd know several things, but the one I want to hit on just briefly, 1.19, that we would know, if you read the rest of the prayer, the know part is we would know what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. Exceeding means really great. Think about it. Paul said it like this. We could pray, say it like this. We would know what is the really great greatness of His power. In other words, Paul was stretching for words. He was trying to describe something that has no way of describing because God's power is so big and so wonderful that there's not enough words. We could say the great greatness of His power, the exceeding greatness, the powerful greatness, the mighty. You know, he uses actually five different words in here to describe the power of God. In that one little sentence, five different words to describe His power. And those words do not really touch the, the, the fullness of it. We need power in America, right? America needs the power of God. The church need, needs the power. Uh, verse 20 of chapter 3, it uh, says, He said, Now to him who is able to do, this is another one, exceedingly abundantly. Everybody say exceedingly abundantly. That's a lot. Exceedingly abundantly is a lot, right? I mean, it's, and again, he's just searching for words. Exceedingly abundantly above all. Exceedingly abundantly above all. Those are big words. Those words are real descriptive. All that we ask or think. Whatever you're asking or thinking, there's an exceedingly abundantly above. There really is. Whatever you're asking or thinking today about the Lord, whatever you need from God, whatever you're thinking that you would love for God to do, God is saying there's an exceedingly, abundantly above, okay, that He could do, will do, shall do, according to what? The power that works within us. So for us to really come into this exceedingly, abundantly thing that God has, this power that's in us has to be released. So... And, and that's the real key to success. That's the real key to fruitfulness in the Christian life is for the power that's in us to come out of us and transform us on a personal level and transform the world around us. Amen? So the question we had to ask, if you've got a question, i got questions about this, is what hinders the power? If we have this power, because he didn't say if you get the power. He said we got the power. 
believers, we have the power. That's the cross. We have the resurrection power in us. But what is, why don't we have the power working through us? What's hindering the power? That's the question. Why is it that we pray for people and they don't get healed? Have you asked the question? Why are these people getting healed we pray for? We should be asking that question. Every person we pray for and we don't see an answer, we should ask the question, why? Why is this person not healed? Why is this person not delivered? Why did this person not get a breakthrough? It, there may be reasons outside of us. It, it may be something else that we don't know about, but we could, should be asking it in terms of me, myself. What's wrong with me, Lord? What, why, do, why are my prayers not being answered, Lord? Does anybody ever thought that? Have you looked in the Bible and said, why, this says one thing, my life says something else. What's the problem with that picture? I know I have that. And why when people come to you or me and, and with things in their life and are needing an answer from God and you have no answers? Anybody ever been in that place? You have no answers for them. We, you would love to have an answer. You would even think about making up an answer if you thought that somehow God would make, take your made-up answer. I've thought about that many times. Well, I'll make up something, and hopefully God will bless it, but then I always think better, like, I better not do that because then it won't happen, and then Jesus will be mad, and they'll be mad. But let me just read and ask a few things here. And let me just say this to you this morning before I share these few little things. I will say this. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to me. I'm living this. I'm having to deal with this in my own life. I've had to deal with it. I've been dealing with it for a while. Uh... And I've been learning, and there's grace to learn. But here's what I see in Acts. All right, let me just tell, them, tell you about them because I don't have much time. First of all, it, it, here's what has happened in, in the book of Acts. If you look, there was a man at the temple beautiful gate that was healed instantly by the disciples. They laid hands on him. That man came, came up off the ground instantly healed. It was a beggar. And so uh, because of this healing, everybody got all excited out there in the town square Everybody was excited. There was a move of God began there. A fresh move of God began there because of this healing. Well, it upset the people in charge. It upset the same people who killed Jesus. So these guys who got upset, they were not people you mess with, right? You don't mess with these guys. They already killed Jesus. So they weren't playing. These guys did not play. So if they were upset with you, you knew, I don't know if I want to mess with these guys. You know, they took these guys, brought them in, the disciples, and, and threatened them. And said, don't you dare preach anymore in this guy's name, period. You don't do it. So here's what they did. They went back. Well, the first thing they told them, they said, well, look, here's the way it is with us. Well, who are we going to obey, you or God? Y'all going to have to decide that. They weren't afraid of them. They went back to their friends, and they said, told them what happened. They got together. Let's get a bunch of people together. And they prayed. They prayed, and they said an earthquake happened. It said the place was shaken in the building they were in. They had this mini earthquake right there in their little building. Wouldn't it be nice if River Life had an earthquake today? The news comes on there was an earthquake in Moore's when it was at River Life Fellowship today. The walls fell down. I mean, the dogged walls fell in the building. The thing cracked up. I would take it. I would do it. God had shook the place. And it says they, they prayed for a bonus. And you know what they did? They went out and preached every day they told them to stop preaching they were just preaching here and there maybe just preaching on sunday morning they threatened them so we're going to go preach every day okay that's what they did then okay then this is what what happened next thing you know they're getting arrested again but this time they didn't get threatened this time they got beat 
They beat the fire out of them. Can you imagine as a grown man being humiliated like that? They beat the fool out of them. They were happy about it. They were happy to get beat. How many Christians are happy when things don't work out right in your life? They were happy, went back, okay, after they got beat, and they did a bunch of other stuff. You see, they kept pushing in. They kept pushing in. And if you go through the book of Acts, you see every time there was a resistance, every time there was a hindrance, the disciples would not back down. In fact, they would just increase. They would say, we're going to do more. We're going to preach more. We're going to pray for more people. We're going to see God move more. So what happens with us Christians, I believe many times, maybe not you but me, many times when I find myself being resisted, the first thing I want to do is back off. I want to start figuring out how I can sort of water it down a little bit. You got what I'm saying? I can water it down and keep everybody happy and semi-keep God happy. Is anybody guilty of that? Well, come on. And see, that's really what has happened in the church over the last couple of years is people have backed off, backed off, backed off, because things have been difficult. There's been a trial, and people have backed off, backed off, backed off. This thing got so bad, they went from getting threatened, they get, went from getting beaten, to one of the, they killed one of them. They just slammed, killed him. And you know what happened? The guy, one of the guy's best friend thought, well, they killed him. I'm going to go out. He went out and started preaching everywhere. More people started preaching. He went out and started a revival. Now, the point is, is, is we would not have probably done that. We would have probably gotten really scared and like, well, we need to just shut this thing down. People are getting killed now over it, you know. So the, the, the thing is, if you begin to ask yourself, what was the secret in the book of Acts of their power? You see, if you begin to unpackage that book and really take a look at what was really happening, is every time that they came under tribulation or every time that difficulties arise, they never backed down. They would always step it up. They would always seek a way to keep doing more. You can go through every chapter in the book and see that they kept pushing in, pushing in, pushing in, pushing in. And we don't do that. I don't think we really do that in America. I think we back off when things get hard. The economy goes bad. We start backing off from what we believe God's called us to do because of the economy. They had people getting killed over what they were doing, and they weren't backing off. So I think that's really the... The one thing I wanted to throw, I just threw it out there real fast. I didn't give you any scriptures. But uh, I wanted to read this one little bit of a thing in chapter 5 about lying to the Holy Spirit. Lying to the Holy Spirit. Because this is really important. Okay? Um, Ananias and Sapphira, y'all remember them? Acts 5, 1 through 12. These guys, they were, the move of God was really intense at this point in time. There was real power happening in the church. I mean, real power. People were selling everything they had because the power of God was so great. I mean, how many people are going to go sell everything they have and give it to the church? Okay, well, let me just tell you this. Nobody will do that today, Pop. Maybe one or two people will. But when the power of God, the Bible says when the day of your power, people are willing. People will give everything when God's power shows up like that. And there could come a day. I don't really recommend people do that, honestly, because that was a one-time event, and it may have turned out bad in the long haul because they really got sort of a mess and had to get other people to send them offerings because everybody was so broke because they didn't sold everything they had. So I don't really recommend you do that, but I am telling you, it did happen, and it happened because of the presence and power of God was there. But there's a problem with that level of power, okay? It's a real problem with that level of power. 
Because when, when, God, when His power is released like that at that level, there's a higher level of accountability that He's going to require from people. Okay? And that's really what happened in that situation. In other words, this is the truth. I can go right there, and I would do this right now. I would go back there, if something was wrong with that light switch, I would take that plate off and pull that switch out, unhook it, and not ever go back there and turn the power off at the power source. Okay? Because it's 120 volts. I don't see this. You do it. I can do it. And I don't get shocked. I got shocked one time, the first time I ever did it, when I was a kid. And I used to work with my dad, wiring houses. I learned how to work with live electricity because it don't hurt that bad. It's only 120 volts. But I will promise you this. If something was wrong with the stove in there, the range, oven, that's 220 volts. I would not go in there and pull that receptacle off the wall with the power off. I would make triple sure that's off. Are we sure that's all? Let's go check it. I'm going to go look at it. You go look at it. I'm going to plug something else in it to find out. I'm going to plug a meter in it to make sure there's no power in it. Because if I open that thing up and touch it, it's going to kill me. So, you see, we want a high level of power in the church. And we wonder, why don't we have a high level of power, Lord? And it's because, the Lord's saying, it's because you don't, you're not passing the tests that come because, you know, so I'm not able to entrust you with that level of power because it would hurt you. It would kill you. It would destroy you like Ananias and Sapphira. Here's what they did. Everybody was selling their stuff, and they came and said, let's just pretend. It doesn't tell you the amount, but they sold the, they had a piece of property. Said, let's just say they sold it for $10,000. That was the actual, what they sold it for. They came and said, here's the money for our property uh, Peter, we sold it. Here's $5,000 that we sold our property for. Okay? And when they did, the Lord killed the guy because it said he lied to the Holy Spirit. He killed him. God killed him right there on the, on the spot. He was dead. Just fell over dead. Struck down by God. Don't lie to God. Okay? Anyways, a couple hours later it says... His wife came in. She didn't know anything that happened. The guy was dead. She didn't know her husband was dead. That he was already buried. Now, that's a pretty intense church day, right? God's done killed somebody. Okay, and this woman comes, his wife comes in. Now, I can just imagine Peter thinking, Oh, God, she's coming. What in the world is going to happen? I've got to somehow warn this woman. I've got to help this woman. I've got to talk to this woman before she makes the same mistake her husband did. And you kill her. Because you know what? I guarantee you he was thinking, he knew God's going to kill her if she lies too. So I can imagine Peter's thinking, I'm going to pull her aside like, Sapphira, look, you know, the Lord really loves you. And I don't really know what the issues are in y'all's life to... But this is what happened to your husband. Please don't say a word. Don't agree, because God is going to kill you. But he didn't do it. He didn't do it because, there, because the Lord wouldn't let him. Okay? So he said, and Anna, she came in. He said, did you sell the property for such and such amount? Did you sell the property for 10000 Oh, yeah. Well, the same people that buried your husband, they're coming to get you right now, and she's dead. Okay. And this is what happened. Verse, that's a pretty terrible story, isn't it? There's a point to this. Verse 11. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Great fear. The reverential fear of the Lord. 
Okay? It's really what we don't really have a lot of in the church. Okay? Peter had the fear of God in him. Peter knew about a law. It was the same law that that angel told me about last week that said to me, you, you too, this is what he said, pay attention in this season to the laws that govern man. And I said, what law? And he said, the law of sowing and reaping. Peter knew that if you interrupt spiritual laws, okay, if you interrupt these laws, you're headed for trouble. So he refused to get involved and interrupt a law that, has been, that was working in these people's lives. We don't really understand this, okay, of how, why it was so intense in their life. But I do know this. This is what we do. There's boundaries that God has created. He's created laws that govern things. And so what we do is we, this is what we've been guilty of and what they were not guilty of. We have this terrible thing of enabling people. We enable people to sin. We enable people to do things they shouldn't do. We help them when God is saying, don't help them. We let them off the hook when God is saying, hang them on the hook and let them hang there until I'm finished with them. Because we have this thing called unrighteous compassion or, or unsanctified mercy that we're reaching out to people, trying to help them when God is saying, no, I don't want to help them. In fact, what you're doing is you're hurting those people by doing this. And you see, this was a great test for the church. Okay? This was a great test for the church because look what happened right after that because they passed this test. They re- and it looks like they were being, I would think, Peter, you just, that was sort of mean that you did to that woman. That was one of my thoughts for years. Why did you do that? Why didn't you help her? I would have helped her and I wouldn't have got this. Listen to this, verse 12. And through the hand, this is what right, right after happened. See, this was a test. Are y'all following this? And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders are done among the people. Many signs and wonders. And they were all with one accord. So you got signs and wonders. You got unity. Okay, in the church. that we would love to have unity. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. In other words, the people who were going after them from the outside started backing off from them. That's what it's telling us there. Those people who were attacking them, those people who were going out, all of a sudden, we better leave those people alone. Something happened. The fear of God was getting released. We better leave them alone. It was was touching the the outsiders. Okay? And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. Multitudes. Multitudes were added. Why were they added? Because God said, "Can can I trust you with more power? Can I trust you with more power? Can I trust you with more power? Are you gonna Are you gonna try to circumvent spiritual laws? Are you gonna try to go around me and protect this person? I'll tell you this. I will tell you this, and I've learned this over and over and over and over for years. It took me. I was hard headed. I was stupid. I made a lot of mistakes with this, but I've learned one thing. There's some people you can't touch them because they have a support group around them. No matter what you say to them, no matter what you do, they got people who will bail them out over and over and over and over, and they don't realize it. They're destroying that person. They're locking that person into into perpetual immaturity, perpetual sin, perpetual foolishness. Are y'all following that? And see, God is not interested in doing that. He is not interested in treating any human being like that. I read this thing last night, and this is in Time Magazine, about children who have a lack of self-control. The studies have proved this about children. They grow up with mental problems, with problems with the law. Learning disabilities would be the learning problems. Don't learn disabilities, problems with the law, and drug problems. Okay? That's what happens to them. Because 
us parents are world famous for enabling our children. Uh, any parents don't want to say that? That ain't you? I think we all do that. You see, you see what I'm saying? You see, God doesn't want us to enable anybody to sin. Are, are y'all following this? And see, we can't let people off the hook when God's not letting them off the hook. We cannot hold people accountable when God's not, when He's saying you must hold them accountable. And if you let them off the hook, and if you don't hold their feet to the fire, and see, the church is world famous for doing that. We help people when we shouldn't help them. That's the truth. And we're hurting people when we do that. And, and see, God can't trust us with more power because we're draining the power off that He's given us because we're breaking the spiritual law called the law of sowing and reaping. We're not allowing the, the, the reaping process to happen in a person's life which would train them and teach them better than we could ever train them and teach them. And so we've had to learn. I'm learning that you don't do that. You, you, there's, and it looks like you're being mean on the outside. It looks like you're being hard-hearted. But really what you're doing, you're setting yourself up for great power to be released in your life and great power to release in this personal life because God will, will do. He will fix that person uh, and this is what it goes on to say, because we were saying, wouldn't it be great if everybody we prayed for was healed? And I said, there, it, it did happen in the Bible. There was a time when everybody prayed for him. And, and so, so they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Where, the shadow of Peter, this is the guy who kept his mouth shut when he was supposed to. This is the guy who refused to help, refused to intervene, when he could have, but he knew God was saying, don't you dare intervene. And because of that, God said, Peter, I can, I can entrust you with a lot of power, so much power that when your shadow hits people, the power of God's going, that's pretty good. I mean, that's power. And you see, we think this stuff just happens. We think it's because they just had a Holy Ghost meeting. They got filled and all that. And that's all great and wonderful. But there's this other part. There's this walking this thing out. There's this honoring God and honoring spiritual laws and honoring boundaries that God has set in place that determines the level of power we're going to walk in. So we can spend the rest of our life with 12-volt power. You know, that's what we could do. We could spend the rest of our life with our little 12-volt batteries. Or we could step up to 120, or we could step up to 220 and really have some real power that's going to really change the world. This was 220 here for sure. But listen to this. I want to finish this little story. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all, everybody say all, they were all healed. God healed every one of them. He would, it wouldn't, if this story, if Ananias and Sapphira wouldn't, if Peter would intervene, those verses would not be in the Bible. They would not be there because God could not entrust them with the power to do this. Are y'all connecting on this? See, God's calling us into a day of greater power, but He's also calling us into a day of greater accountability. Now, that's the truth. That's really true. I've got, got one more minute. Can I take it? <laughs> no, I do want to tell you about this one other thing, because there's two things that I feel like the Lord was showing me for us, mainly for me, but maybe for you too, huh? And this is the other one called Honoring God. Okay, because this is what I've seen over the last couple years. I've seen that we, that this is what God has exposed, I think, the church, I think he's exposed this in us, is we have an entitlement mentality in the church. We have fussed at teenagers for years about entitlement. Like, you're not entitled to this. When they're, and, but the problem is they haven't listened because the people saying it are ate up with it. We, are, we think we're entitled to prosperity. 
We think we're entitled to have a good government. We are not entitled to any of that. I'm telling you, we are not entitled to having a good president, a good Congress, senators who are going to do the right thing. That is not a promise from God. Okay? Are y'all following? We're not entitled to it. And so we have this entitlement mentality that we can have those kind of things. And God is saying, I have never entitled that to you. That has never been. And so what happens? This is what I've seen happen. God's not doing what, he, what, what, what we want Him to do. Things are going mad, and we're mad at God. We're fussing with God. We're saying things to God. We're dishonoring God. Okay? We're arguing with God and dishonoring God because God's not doing what we think He should do. Okay? And I'm telling you, that is not something good that we need to be doing. This is like the, the best example I, that I could come up with on this. Is what if I went to Matthew Bollinger's child, Judah Bollinger, and said, Judah, it's okay. When your dad tells you no, that you can't have something or what you think he said you was going to do, he's decided he's not going to do it. It's okay for you to go and shake your fist at him, get mad at him, whine to him, have a bad attitude. It's okay to do that, Judah. Go right ahead and do that. Okay, yeah, that's exactly what we do. That would be stupid to do that. You'd be training a child to do something that was really bad. Okay, really bad. And you would be dishonoring his father. How many dads in this room, mothers, dads, have been dishonored by the child? Raise your hand. It hurts when your child dishonors you. As a parent, you know that that is something that's really painful to you. Yet we do that with God. We get mad with God when God doesn't do what... Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And you see, I'm telling you, that is a big limiting thing in us, the power of God. First uh, Samuel 2.30 says, I will honor those who honor me. I will honor those who honor me. Uh, let's read Job 40. Are y'all okay? God really does want to, to do some good stuff. I'm telling you that. He really does want to give us power. But we had to get some things right. And I'm just here to say this. I don't think it's right for us to argue with God like we're arguing with Him and saying, why ain't God doing this? Why in heaven? Attitude. We have a bad attitude towards the Lord, okay? And we're arguing with God, and it's dishonoring to God. It's just dishonoring to Him. And I don't really think we should be doing that, okay? I really think we should stop doing it. I think we should repent, when God doesn't answer your prayers or God doesn't do what you think He should do and you've gotten upset with God, you should repent that you've gotten upset with Him. Now, I really feel that. And I'm going to tell you something. It's sad when you see older, seasoned Christians do that. It's really sad. It's one thing. You see a 20-year-old kid that's been saved for six months doing it. It's like, duh. I mean, get with it, pal. You know, that ain't the way it works. But it's another thing when a, third, a Christian's been 35 and 40 years all messed up because God didn't heal them or God didn't answer their prayers. Or God, that's terrible. It's, it's, it's just heartbreaking. And I've done it. Like I say, I'm preaching to me. But listen to this. Y'all remember Job? Job in the Bible. He has, you know, remember what happened to Job? Job was a great guy. And then one day, all his kids were killed. He lost everything he had. He went from, you know, you know, riches to nothing. He was in poverty. And he was so sick, he had boils all over his body. He was scraping them. It was so nasty, scraping him. He was, and so he, he gets in this big d- deal with the Lord. And these friends of his, which to me was like the worst thing in the world, it was like that was almost as bad as the bulls. He had three, three friends, and they were preaching all this crap to him. And that's really what they were doing. They, it really is. I mean, they were just telling him stuff that wasn't right. They were dishonoring the Lord. You can read it and think, well, that sounds right. No, it wasn't. It was dishonoring to the Lord. It was saying stuff they should have never said. It was being, it was ridiculous. 
Okay, and so Job was just having, he was so mad, his wife said, Job, curse God and die. He was so upset with God. And you would think, well, I would be upset too if you killed my kids and you took all my money and, and I, you sent these sorry friends to help me. I would be real upset. And I got boils all over. I don't have pimples, I got boils. It was a bad day. But this is what it said. Uh, the Lord answered Job and said, uh, Shall the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? He who rebukes God, let, let, let him answer it. And so the Lord was saying, Job, you, you want, you're, you're going to contend with me over this deal. Is that what you're going to do? So, you know, let's, let's get some answers here. Uh, then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I'm vile. What shall I answer you? See, Job at that point realized he had really went over the line and he really had dishonored the Lord. Okay? He knew that I've dishonored the Lord. I've said things I shouldn't say. I used to tell people this thing. I, I mentioned the example about the kids. It's okay to fight with God and argue and shake your fist. I regret ever saying that. It's not okay to argue with the Lord. Okay? It's not okay. It's not okay for you to be upset with the Lord when He's not doing what you want Him to do. It's not okay. It's dishonoring the Lord. The Lord doesn't deserve to be dishonored like that. And you know what? We need to hold each other accountable when we do that. We need to say to a person, that's dishonoring the Lord. How would you like it if your child treated you like that? And that's all He's done for you. And I think we need to repent of it. I really do. I think we really need to ask the Lord to forgive us. I'm just telling you that. Well, I need, I need to ask the Lord to forgive me. Maybe you don't. He says, Once I have spoken, but, but I will not answer. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Now pre- prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Would you indeed annul my judgments? Would you condemn me that you may be justified? Would you condemn me that you may be justified? And see, that's what we do. We condemn the Lord to justify us. I've done all this, Lord. I did this. I prayed this. I did all this. I gave all this. I did this. And what are you doing? And the Lord's saying, you're going to condemn me to justify yourself? And see, that's a dishonor to the Lord. It's treating the Lord with disrespect. And then we want to know, why aren't you healing people? Why aren't you saving people? And he's saying, it's because you've dishonored me. And I can't trust you with my power. Because I can't trust people who won't honor power. That's not why we're not going to let a kid go mess with electrical wiring. Because they can't be trusted with it. Because it'll kill them. And the Lord doesn't want that to happen to you. He did to Ananias and Sapphira. But not us, because we're not going to get into that mess. Then he said, um, well, I wanted to read that, 9. It says, have you an arm like God, or can you thunder with a voice like His? He sort of goes through a list here. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 1.18, it says, Come, let us reason together. There is a place to reason with the Lord. It's like with the example. I can say, Judah, go talk to your dad. Tell him how you feel. But tell him with respect, Dad, I thought you said that. I thought you told me I could do this, and now you're telling me I can't. I don't really understand. Can, can we talk about this? Can, I, can you help me with this, Dad? Because this is not making no sense, Dad. Now, that's reasoning with the Lord. That's respecting His authority. That's treating Him as a father and being honoring to God. And, when, and of course, the dad's going to say, Sure, baby, I want you to know. I really want you to know this is... 
you may not understand all this right now, but I'm doing this because this is the best. You just need to know, I'm doing it for your best. You know, it's like the old thing, this is going to hurt me more than it does you. <laughs> you know, you've heard that like, oh, <laughs> I don't believe you, Mama. <laughs> but it's true. So I think, you know, what I feel is God really wants to invest power into people. Okay? He wants, us to, he wants to trust us with power. Okay? But we have to pay attention to the things happening in our life. We have to pay attention that, that making sure that we're not breaking spiritual laws like the law of sowing and reaping, that we're not doing things that God is saying, don't do it. Don't do that. That would, that's not good. You're hurting that person. And I really don't appreciate you doing that because in the end, I'm going to help them, but I can't help them because you keep interrupting this law of sowing and reaping. They need to learn how to reap what they're sowing. And it'll teach them. It'll create something and it'll make them grow up and make them become a man or make them become a woman, make them become responsible with their life. But you're keeping them like a baby. You're keeping them immature. You're trapping them in sin. And I don't really want you to do that. Are y'all following that kind of thinking? We can do that with our kids, and the church needs to do that. We need to do that with each other. Okay? We need to hold each other accountable for our actions and not let each other off the hook. And I know that all this sounds kind of harsh and rough, but if we want the power of God, we're going to have to line up and operate according to the way He has instructed us to do. And so we've got, and also we've got to quit this business of being upset and mad and having a bad attitude towards God when God does not do what we think He should do. We have to learn to bow to Him and say, Lord, I submit. And that's really, I think if we'll begin to do this and see these things, then the power of God, God can begin to say, that's a person I can invest my power in. That's a person I can use. That's a person, I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm going to elevate them. I'm going to promote them. I'm going to give them more than they, than they have because they've proven that they're going to do the right thing regardless of what it looks like to everybody else, regardless of what people think. Are y'all good? So everybody stand up. Y'all are looking at me badly. Everybody was shouting and having a good time in here this morning. And then you hear some mess like It's like, good Lord, what kind of preacher is this? <laughs> it's so good. And I, don't, I, I just feel like this. And maybe some of you guys can relate to this. But I heard this message in the first service. And I've just got the fear of the Lord on me right now. And all I can say is mercy, Lord. Because the truth is, I've lied to the Holy Spirit. I've enabled my own kids and people that I know, everything that you listed, Byron, I, I've been guilty of that. Is there anybody else here that feels like that? And I really feel like the Lord is inviting us to more power, but like Byron said, it's really through repentance. And so I just want us to do, just corporately come before the Lord right now. And Father, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've lied to you I've, I've cheated you. I've complained against you. I've raised my fist towards you. And, and I've, I have not lived accordingly to the law of sowing and reaping, Father. And I've placed my hands in places where I should not have placed them. And I maybe didn't step in where I should have because I didn't honor you. And Lord, we as a church, we want to say it right now. That God, we want to be children that honor you. 
we want to honor you, God. We don't want to just say it in our worship services, Father, but we really want you to teach us how to live lives that are honoring to you, Father, in the fear of the Lord. We ask you, let the fear of the Lord penetrate any dullness that's in our hearts, any place where we have said no to you. Father, forgive us for not trembling at your word. Lord, for taking, for, for taking your word lightly, Lord, for taking it as, as just a Sunday message, Father. We ask you right now to help us in our weakness, Lord. Because we really believe that there's a shift going on. There's a place that you're leading us to. And this is, this is the way to that place, Lord. So we come in humility again. And I, I ask right now that you would take this church, every single person in here, into a season of great humility. Lord, that we would be gentle with one another, but firm in the Holy Spirit, Lord that we would walk in fear and trembling with one another, Father, not treating each other unkindly, but according to the fear of the Lord. In Jesus' name. I just want to, um, I feel like really, this is what positions us so that the Lord can distribute power, is this. Is that He's God Almighty, yes. and that we're men, yes. women, and we surrender. That very simple thing really puts us in a place of God being able to distribute power through us. But when we're insisting upon our own ways, it really gets us out of the line of power. So, in fact, James says that's why there's so many quarrels among us. Because we're insisting upon what we want. And it causes the disunity and the disruption of the spirit. So I just wanted to say that, too, that we could repeat that to the Lord. Is this, okay, God, you're God, and I'm man, and I surrender. Let's do it again. You are God, and I'm a man, and I surrender. One more time. You are God, and I'm just a man, and I surrender. So amen, amen. So we can go... And take the bread and the blood and do that in humility and truly in a heart. I just feel like it's positioned right before the Lord. Thank you, Lord. And that just means this. I tell you, I barely had to do this. I was sick. And I, I had no place to go but look up to the Lord. I was just really, really sick with the flu. And this is where the Lord took me on some issues. And for some reason... I just felt better. I just felt like I was in, I'd been corrected. I'd been put in a correct place with God. And it just made me have complete paradigm shifts in my mind and my heart because I just felt rightly in relation with God. Does that make sense? That you're God, I'm man, and I surrender. Amen.